0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Tonight is the third of October in the year two thousand and twenty-three. Alhamdulillah, we spent a few sessions discussing the most important subject of reflections on death and the afterlife so in the glorious verse in Surat hud Surat salatu surah 11 verse 9 allah the almighty and glorious he says in and we give man a taste of mercy from us And then take it away from him. So this is part of the verse. We give man a a taste of mercy, rahmah. And then take it away from him. So Mufti Shafi, he commented in Maaleh Quran, volume 4, page 609 of the English translation. It should be noted That the Quran uses the word We give them a taste of For both blessing and suffering i.e., in this world By this device It is thus indicated That the real blessing and suffering Is that of the hereafter So stop in the quote So why does Allah the Almighty and Glorious mention we give man a taste of our mercy. And the Sheikh says, he also mentions a taste of suffering. Because this abode that we are in is not a place for you to experience the real blessing. And this abode is not the abode for you to suffer the real suffering. Then Mufti Shafi'i Rahmatullah said, neither is the comfort of the mortal world the whole of it nor is it suffering the whole of it instead of this it should be taken at the level of tasting and sampling so that human beings could have some idea of the eternal blessing and sufferings of the hereafter Therefore, neither are the comforts of this world something to be happy about, nor are its sufferings something to grieve about too much. If you were to think, this whole world is, to borrow a commercial term, only a showroom of the hereafter, with sample displays of both comfort and suffering. SubhanAllah. So, Mufti Shafi, Rahmatullah, He's trying to clarify upon why Allah the Almighty and Glorious mentions we give a man a taste of our mercy and a taste of suffering. Mm. And the response is because the world isn't the place of of mercy per se. You only get a sample of it. Mm. And also suffering. Mm. So what can we take? The Shaykh says you take from this that when you are suffering in the world don't worry too much. Because it's not proper suffering, and when you get a comfort, don't get too happy, because this is the deeper meaning of this sacred passage. And he goes, and they gave the example of a commercial term, because it's the showroom. The world is the showroom of the hereafter. You have glimpses of both, so you have ecstasy, happiness, and that's a, like a kind of a taste of paradise. And then, of course, you get the opposite. So note the precise wording in the Quran. Allah is taste. Indeed our loving Lord Subhanahu wa ta'ala Has nothing but contempt For this lowly and insignificant world So of course he created the world Subhanahu wa ta'ala And he created it And if you look at it Compared to the other planets in the solar system It is a beautiful planet The other planets look dead (laughs) You could argue Saturn with the rings (laughs) But The blue planet is Earth But Despite its apparent beauty, Allah has nothing but contempt for it. So, here's a proof. In Behaq, Ibn Abi Dunya, Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi, in his Ihya, Volume 3, page 276, in the chapter on the evil of the world, our beloved messenger, he said, The world is suspended between the heaven and the earth. Ever since Allah created it, He has not looked favorably at it. On the day of resurrection, the world will plead, O Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, let me be a portion for the lowest of your friends. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will respond, Silence, O good for nothing. I did not let them have you in the world. I, when they were with you, should I now be pleased today that they have you now? Mm-hmm. Look how beautiful. So the Prophet is mentioning that the world is worthless. The world, imagine, what's he gonna say? Don't destroy me. Let me be a share for the lowest. In other words, you are know, the lowest of the law. Because let me give you know give them to me. So Allah subhanahu wa Taala, how does He address the world? Good for nothing. <laughs> he goes, quiet, good for nothing. <laughs> I did not let them have you in the world, isn't it true? If Allah, Allah loves you, He doesn't give you the world. <laughs> he goes, now do you think I'm going to give them now? <laughs> and He goes, should I now be pleased today that they have you? <laughs> he goes, never. <clears throat> so what do we take from this? Does Allah the Almighty have any connection to the world? <laughs> in the sense that he has any special place for it. He has no place for it. It's just a lowly creation. And the world itself is pleading for scraps. And Allah goes, no, not even scraps. <laughs> so now why is it very strange to hear reports of this nature? No. Because what? Why then on earth are we in love with it? <laughs> because strange, you know, you hear the reports. SubhanAllah, 100%. If it's 100%, then why are you acting opposite? <laughs> The Prophet وسلم, um, from the Prophet is a weak report from Hassan al basri Sahih. in Behaki in Ishua al-Iman, he said, The head of all evil is love of the world. Or oh, the love, the root of all evil is love of the world. So not only is it an illness, it is an illness that opens up all evil. Think about that. If somebody says to you, you've got a problem and that problem affects your Salat, that's bad. But it hasn't affected my fasting. Or another person goes, oh, this is even worse. This affects your Salat and your fasting. But then you go, but it doesn't affect my relationship with my parents. If somebody goes, forget that. I know something that if you've got it, it affects everything. Because, my God, what's that? Because all over the world is the root of all evil. So Rasulullah came to take that out of the hearts oh, wow. وسلم, of the companions, which he did. But the problem is, let alone taking it out of our hearts, we're doing the opposite. So here, imagine, when this conversation is taking place, where are we going to be? We're going to be looking. Imagine, good for nothing, keep quiet. Consider also that our beloved Messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Do not busy your hearts with the remembrance of this world. Do not busy your hearts with the remembrance of this world. This is in Behagi, in his Shu'abbal Iman, Ibn Abi Dunya, Imam Ghazali, in his Ihyab, volume 3, page 278, in the chapter on the evil of the world. So this is another very interesting report. The Prophet didn't say your tongue. He said, don't allow your heart to be absorbed with the love of the world. Don't busy your hearts with it. So what does that mean? It means that it becomes your your priority. Your main concern. The world becomes your main concern. The Prophet goes, don't do it. Don't busy your hearts with the remembrance of this world. Imam Ghazali added something here. Ponder. He, sallallahu alayhi wa disallowed even mentioning it then what to say of those who aspire for it? In his Ihya, Volume 3, page 278, in the chapter on the evil of the world. So think about that. Uh, the great Mujaddid Imam Ghazali, aleyh, said he goes, don't it, let it enter your heart. Hmm. So if it's not even allowed to enter it, mentioning it, entering, then what about those who yearn for it? Hmm. Because they're not even worth, you know, mentioning. And this is why, you know, we all know the reports, the Prophet said that one of the signs of love is what? You love everything but your beloved loves. That's a sign of love. Mm. So does Allah love the world? No. Mm. So can we love the world? The person goes, mm. you got me there. <laughs> if Allah hates something and you and you don't hate it, in fact I, I love it, but I'm a Muslim is that really a muslim <laughs> you should hear whatever allah hates if allah hates even something you can't even get your head around i hate it as well mm. he hates the world he has no love for it somebody asked ali radiallahu he goes why didn't Rasulullah allah take anything from the world yeah. he literally took nothing said and ali radiallahu said how could he love something which allah tala hates <laughs> in other words he goes he's Rasulullah. allah Of all the people, you want him to take from the world, and where's the proof? The hadith is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad, authentic hadith. He was coming to the end of his blessed life, and he he was very ill. And he had six gold coins, six dinars, and he told Aisha, "What have I got?" Hmm. And she said, "You got six dinars." And he goes, "Give, put my heart at ease." And then what happened? He fainted. When he came round, he asked again. He goes, those dinars. because you still got them, Ya Rasulullah. He goes, put my heart at ease. And only when they left, he stopped asking. And Imam Ghazali said, he left the world with nothing. He didn't want to meet Allah Ta'ala. He actually said to Aisha, what would Allah Ta'ala think if his messenger meets him with these dinars? Meaning, he hates the world. I can't take anything of it back to him. So there's the example. Where are we, where we in this uh, conversation? Think about that. The sabo worried about, you know, pots and puns. We're going to leave, you know, I don't know what we're going to leave in it. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> Consider the wise man's words when he said, The world was there, but I was not in it then the world will continue to exist and I will not be in it. Thus, why should I be attached to it? Imam Ghazali in his volume on 3 page 2 and 1 in the chapter on the evil of the world, look how, you know, simple. So let's go through it. What was the first thing this wise man said? He goes, Before you came into existence was the world here? Hmm. Yes. So go to your date of birth. In fact, go before your, you know, your conception, put another year on it. You wasn't even here. But the world was. So that's the first thing. we all admit to that. The world was there. I was not in it. Then he said, then the world will continue to exist when I will have left. He goes, yeah, that's true. Day or death. Don't want to think about it. But after that, I'm not here. Then he goes, why should I be attached to it then? Look how they were thinking. What are you attached to? Something that was here before you was here. And something that will remain after you've gone. You want to be attached to that. What a lousy thing to attach to. You want to attach to something that's eternal. And so even, you know, rationally, you're ill. Think about that, even rationally. Amir al-Mu'mini, Umar bin Abdulaziz, he would often say in his sermons, Do you not see? you are in the midst of those who will perish and others will take your place and thus you shall be replaced by those left behind because do you not see? <laughs> this is in Abu Naim al-Hidiyah 5-266 Ibn Abi Hatim in his Tafseer, 8-2512-3 to Hafiz Ibn Kayyim in his al wabil al sayyid but 60 of the New English Translation. So we're here now in a gathering. Few brothers sitting in the masjid. So what did Om Aziz say, He goes, "We're all gonna perish. I'm gonna perish. You're gonna perish. Then somebody's gonna take your place. Well, that's true." He goes, "So what was he telling you that for? We're all perishing. Somebody's gonna take our place. Basically, it's just it's, What is this attachment to this world? He has no loyalty to you. If he had a loyalty, you're staying." And this is why there's that report about Isa Wasallam. You know how many times I've mentioned in Imam Ghazali's Ihya. Uh, a prostitute emerged. So Isa salatu he looked at the prostitute. So the companions found that strange. And then he started talking to the prostitute. And the first question he asked, Are you married? She goes, Yes. Second question, Who are you married to? So the prostitute goes, Everybody. Because that's a profession. <laughs> and then, Isa A.S. says, uh, and then what do you do to your husbands? Because I killed them. Mm. And then he goes, what do you do after that? He goes, I marry somebody else. <laughs> Isa A.S. says, wretched then is the one who loves you. <laughs> and then a prostitute went on away. <laughs> so after this conversation, obviously the companions, they were thinking, what the... So they asked, because Ya Rasulullah, who was that woman? So, Isa Wasallam said, that was the world that you love so very much. He <coughs> came in an image of a prostitute. So, what did, What was the first question? Who have you married? Meaning, who do you get attached to? He's like, everybody. Yeah. They're all my husband. <laughs> and then he goes, then what? Then what? I kill them. made them false promises. <laughs> then what? I move on to the next one. So then, what did Isaa'ah say? How on earth can anybody love you if somebody goes to you? I found you a fantastic match. Because okay, what's the traits? Uh, she can't wait for you to die. She wants to destroy you, and she'll marry the next person without even hesitation. What well, fantastic match! What would he say to that person? He's thinking, you, you've lost the plot, right? Because no, she's beautiful. You've been lost, it mate Then you go. What if he turns and goes? You've lost it <laughs> because you've got that. So how could you fall in love with that? Imagine. Think about that. You know we hear in the reports, but is it registering? Was it just going through? Now why don't we register these reports? Because there's illness. And Abu Dawood Ahmed, the Prophet said, "Your love for something makes you blind and deaf. Your love for something makes you blind and deaf. Now what does that mean? So I love my mother and father. Does that mean I'm, that, that I'm blind? No, it doesn't. Publish. It doesn't mean that. What it means is you won't listen and you won't see sense when it comes to them. Mm. For example, you love your kids. And if a teacher, you know, brings a report saying, look, she's been noted. What's the first reaction? No, she's not. She's she's an angel. Mm. Right? Blind and deaf. Mm. Right? Natural reaction. You love the world. So somebody is now narrating narrations. Mm. That's a gauge. Do you love the world? If you don't love it, you're listening very carefully. It's a genius. Mother, this. Or if you just go no no that you you that's it you're you're in love with the world you hear the reports you're going straight through straight through the years. Reflect on the words of Ata al-Khurasani, senior Tabi, Hafiz Ibn al jawzi in his Sifat al-Safwa, four one 4-151, He said, "Look at this world as something you have already left. For I swear by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, you will leave it behind you." similarly make death something you have already tasted mm. for i swear you will taste it mm. and look at the hereafter as something you've already gone to for i swear you will be taken to it it is the abode of everybody mm. <laughs> so what did this senior the mufti of uh Makkah say, Rahmatullah he said look at this world he goes treat it like this that you've already left it. You're living in it because don't no, act like you're not in it. He goes, Because you will leave it. I swear to God, you're going to leave it. It's all a custom. Because nobody stays behind. Then he goes, Make death something that you've already tasted it. I'm already dead. In fact, what did the Prophet say in Sayyidina Muslim? Consider yourselves already amongst the people of the graves. That's a command consider yourselves already amongst the people of the graves why did he say that because once you have that mindset you've got no attachment to the dunya then he said look at the hereafter as something you've already been to imagine you've already been like the prophet and you come back <laughs> how are you going to live if somebody goes to he saw, like, yeah I've seen the grave I've seen it I've seen day judgment I've seen paradise I've seen hell so what are you going to do now what do you think I'm going to do Flu cake <laughs> Right? going to prepare for it. He goes, live, look at the hereafter after us, something you've already been to. He goes, you will, everybody will move there. So what are they all exhorting you to? They're all exhorting you not to have attachment to dunya. Mm-hmm. Consider the words of Fudeh ibn Iyad, Ali. Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, Volume 3, page 281 in the chapter on the evil of the world. Even if the world was made of gold, it would perish. Even if the hereafter was made of clay, it would remain. Mm-hmm. Then, even in that scenario, it would have been incumbent upon us to still choose that which will abide from clay against that which will perish of gold. Mm-hmm. Then, why in Allah's glorious name have we preferred clay that will perish over gold that is eternal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Think about it. Madmen, men <laughs> lunatics are running asylum right so nobody's saying for the early he was living like this obviously he's saying look this is not true but if he... so he's giving you a hypothetical the world is basically Jannat everything made of gold silver but you're gonna die and then you're told imagine even though you're in paradise this earth is paradise then you're told you're gonna go to a place where it's like the world you know like it's gonna be cold You're going to pay bills. You're going to, you know, you're going to get ill. But it's forever. He said, even in that scenario, in the life you're living with gold all around you, you are still preparing for the clay. You'll have to do it. And then he goes, in God's name, he goes, you're preferring clay over eternal gold. You you can actually see his expression thinking what's the matter with you? Are you ill? Right? So this is the problem. You were ill. We're just ill. Now look how powerfully they're getting the points across because they they saw it. They see people. Imagine, what gives me comfort is this was 1,300 years ago. They still had those illnesses. I thought this is a modern illness. Now, if you see a sane person, you think he's ill. He's, 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 he's not of this world. Who? Why? He, he's upstairs. <laughs> Who, who's upstairs? Because he, he's on prayer mat. Who's on prayer mat? <laughs> what are you trying to get? And then you're saying, look, he, he doesn't want nothing to do with the world. There's nothing wrong with him, mate. Eh? There's something wrong with you. If anybody's going to call names, it's him calling you names. And yet the one who's sane is the one who's ill now. Imagine. Astaghfirullah. So note... You know, we got problems, but alhamdulillah, we've still got time, we're still alive mm-hmm. before the earth spits and chooses out. Look at Abu Bakr anh, to finish. Abu Bakr Siddiq, he was the greatest of the companions. Why was he the greatest? The Prophet told you وسلم, because the best of you are those who take the least from the world and are the most eager for the hereafter. The haki and the So the Prophet told you why he's the greatest. He took the least from the world, he was the most eager for the hereafter. So let's look at this. There's a hadith which explains this. The hadith is in Ahmad and his Zuhud, it's authentic. And Abu Bakr Siddiq was with Rasulullah. There was only those two august personalities. And then suddenly, the Prophet starts shooing something, pushing something away. So Abu Bakr is looking. He can't see anything. So he doesn't say anything. Some time passes. Abu Bakr radiya then asks, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu a few moments ago, I saw you shooing something away. I couldn't see what it was. What were you pushing away? So the Prophet sallallahu he said, the world came in the image of an old woman. That was interesting. What image did the world come into Isa Prostitute. Why did the world come in the image of an old woman to the Prophet (laughs) Because the reality, (laughs) in other words, not just a decrepit old woman, right? (laughs) So then the Prophet doesn't look how interesting. He just goes, (laughs) "Arise, you know, go away. Are you wasting your time? Go." (laughs) And then the world looked at Abu Bakr. (laughs) He goes, "You've got away." In other words, you're safe. Your ummah's not gonna get away. And then what happened? Abu Bakr burst into tears. Why? Because somebody brought him some water mixed with honey. <laughs> he didn't even ask for the honey; He just wanted some water. So they got it and then somebody just put a bit in there. He drank it and he burst into tears and he goes, "Because why are you weeping? He goes, the world's trapped me. He goes, the world's got me. I've remembered what the Prophet said. So let me ask you a question. When you have a diluted drink, do you think the world's trapped you? <laughs> Imagine, isn't it. he just put it in. <laughs> Don't even think twice. In fact, you think. Oh, yeah. Gotta drink water, <laughs> right? You know, do you actually even imagine this is dunya? <laughs> Imam Malik Rahmatullah, he said, to dilute water with something else is makruh. <laughs> now, why is that a very strange ruling? These are people of paradise. You know, hear that, you're thinking, eh? What do you mean? Is it, he did haram because it's just disliked. You know, why are you mixing water with something? Like, can't I get orange juice? No, you, know, you can't, yeah, you knock yourself out with it. Well, you're taken too much, are Right. you? Ali Qari, he mentions an incident. He said, this man came to a sheikh, and he says, how should I treat the world? <laughs> so the sheikh says to him, treat it like a shadow. And the man didn't get it. So, I don't understand. He said, do you chase the shadow, or does the shadow chase you? And he goes, the, the shadow chases me. And he goes, What if you wake up one morning and say, I'm gonna chase the shadow? Are you intelligent? And he went, That's madness. He goes, Treat the world like the shadow. <laughs> in other words, you chase it, you blow out a fuse, you're not gonna catch it, even if you're using bull. But if you say, Dafo, right, and you turn your back to what happens, like, put the in it, it, just follows you. <laughs> Right, it's time for Zor and I look shadows going. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> like okay, you know. But look at the wisdom of these people. They give a simple example that we don't even realize. And then I realized that's maybe why Allah Tala created the shadow. <laughs> Think about it. Allah Tala has a verse in the Quran talking about a shadow. Why has Allah Tala Created the shadow? Interesting. <laughs> you know, it's, there's lessons to be learned. Another example was um, one of the sheikhs. He said that a fisherman came to him. Fisherman and he says uh, how do you get love of the world out of my heart so the sheikh he said to him um, what's your occupation he goes I fish I'm a fisherman and he goes could you describe how you catch fish so he thought this is a strange question right? and he goes yes sheikh he goes I get to the seashore I push the boat out take the net with me jump into the boat row a bit, and then I throw the net out and get some fish put it in Roll bike. and uh, that's my day's earnings. So the sheikh goes, "Why you? Why have you come to me when you've got the answer?" Mm. So the sheikh, the, the fisherman goes, "I've come to ask to get the love of the world out of my heart." He goes, "You just described it." Mm-hmm. He goes, "You are the boat, mm. the net, are your deeds that you, the, the fish you're trying to catch, fish." The sea is the world. As long as you are in the boat and the water does not go into the boat, the sea will serve you. But what if a hole emerges in the boat? Then he goes, I'll drown. He goes, that's what happens when the world enters your heart. If it's under you, it will help you. It will serve you. But if it enters your heart, it will destroy you. So this is why here, note again, and what's one of the most important subjects again and again mentioned in the Quran? Dunya. Allah Ta'ala keeps talking about dunya again and again because He wants to weigh you up. You know, He's you on the page. Do not let the life of this world deceive you. Do not let the shaitan deceive you. Do not... And then, Why is Allah... Because He knows. You're surrounded by it. Subhanallah. So all I mentioned today was reflections on the worth of this world and of course the importance of preparing for the next are there any questions subhan